Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What's up, friends? And welcome back to another episode of Elevate. And today, I want to dive into some of my story as you guys have asked, requested. Every time I post a poll, you guys are like, tell me more about you. And one of the things that I struggle with is I don't want to be somebody that is always talking about me. I actually find it really difficult to do that. So instead, what I'd like to do is share bits of my story with some of the lessons that I've learned so that it will help you hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that I've made or help you start to think a little bit differently. Because there are many things that have happened in my life that have changed have changed my thought patterns. And a lot of you guys ask how I've cultivated a mindset the way that I have. And I think life forced me to, but I had to have the courage to pursue it. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to make this a series um, so you guys can stay tuned for that because I don't want to throw too much at you. Kind of like reading a book. It's like if if the value doesn't come within the first couple hours of me reading it, I will stop reading it because there's no point in continuing to listen to something if you can't apply it. The same thing if you are reading a book and there's so much value in it that there's so many ideas, you don't have anything to tactically focus on. And so by breaking this down into digestible bits, I'm hoping that you can start to carry over some of these principles and think about them. I also want to lead with the fact that I am me and some of the things that work really well for me might not work for you. And that's also okay. There's many different ways to skin a cat. And that's why I work with hundreds of women now who I really focus on cultivating their own levels of confidence and painting their own vision in life so that we can tactically bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be, whether it's with their health, whether it's with their relationships, whether it's with their careers or their business. That's one of the things that I find the most fulfilling is genuinely helping people change the way that they think. Because changing the way that I perceive myself and the world changed my entire life. I've been through the gutter and as many people have, right? I I don't ever want to paint the picture, which is why I I struggle to talk about myself. Like I've got it so bad. Like I don't, I've been through shit, but we've all been through shit. And it's, it's helping you overcome that stuff and focus on creating the life that you want instead of the life you feel you have to accept. And one of the biggest principles and one of the biggest frames and thoughts that I've taken I heard this on a podcast. Um, I can't remember exactly who said it, but I always try to give credit where it's due. I want to say I heard it from Chris Williamson, uh, but I don't know if he's the one that actually said this. It might have been Naval. But if you do not believe that you can get what you want, you will teach yourself to want what you can get. And I think this is one of the most profound thoughts. And we see this a lot with society and people and relationships. It certainly was something that I experienced in relationships, right? I wanted the fairy tale ending. I wanted somebody who would prioritize me and love me and never take me for granted and honor me and be loyal and committed and all those things. 
And I think if you've never been in an abusive relationship, you can't, you shouldn't judge people who stay. You shouldn't judge people when you've never been in their shoes because I, and I've shared this before and I don't have a problem talking about it because I found peace with it. But when you're in the thick of it, you don't know that you can have better. You don't know that you can be loved and cherished and taken care of and nurtured and supported and uplifted and that you are more than a tool in somebody's game of life. And especially if they have leverage over you, whether it's, you know, you're poor and they, they support you with finances. And if you leave, you have nothing. A lot of people who are narcissistic will kind of isolate you and you don't, you've cut your relationships, you've cut your family, you, you know, maybe you've quit your job because they're going to take care of you. And there's so much that goes into it to where they've leveraged so much of how they support you. It's difficult to see a way out, especially if you've burned bridges with the people that you love the most in order to pursue something that you thought was going to be different. Because here's the thing about that. It's not like they show up that way from the beginning, right? People fall for people for a reason. They can be very charming and charismatic and intelligent and passionate and driven and, you know, all of those things that are, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see my face light up. Like it's very attractive to meet people that way. But over time, especially once your emotions blur your logic, you overlook the things that in retrospect, you'll know you shouldn't have overlooked, which is the difficult part. You don't know what you don't know. And then when you come out the other side and you've created space from the chaos, you can filter back through and, and note the red flags that you overlooked or the behavior that you excused. And so I think one of the most important things is aim for what you want, right? Just because somebody says that you can't have something or achieve something doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that they couldn't find a way to or they didn't have the courage to do it, right? And so whenever you're getting advice from people, be really careful who you listen to there's a few things that I would recommend that you do when it comes to whether it's working with a coach, working with a mentor, or taking advice in general. First and foremost, is that person where you want to be? I think that's one of the most important things that I've taken on as far as people that I work with is, do they have something that I want? Do they, not their opinion, not do they know somebody who has what I want, but do they actually have it? Number two, have they helped other people get what I want, right? Have they not only produced results for themselves, but have they been able to teach other people how to get said result, right? And the problem with that is, and the reason that I say that is sometimes people who have achieved really great things under somebody else's guidance, right? Now say they can get you there, but they don't actually know how. They don't know how to teach outside of what they've been taught. And when it comes to coaching or mentorship, Everything is dependent on the person that you're working with, the person that's right in front of you and their life and their frame of reference and their stressors and their coping mechanisms and what they want, not what you want for them. And so I think that's where it's really difficult to discern because oftentimes we get fixated on the people that have what we want, but they're only going to be able to teach you how to get it the way that they did. And that might not be applicable for you. And we can see this a lot in the health and fitness space, right? Somebody who looks really good, who's achieved a great transformation, who has no education or practice telling you how to do it because they're going to tell you what they did. But instead of saying, hey, this is how I did this thing, it's you need to do this thing to get this result. And I think anything that's that blanket of a statement, 
and it's not it's not that black and white right anybody that knows what they're talking about and it's difficult for people i get it um you want somebody who feels very confident in what they're sharing with you and who who's like certain about it but the problem is there's no level of certainty you can't be 100% certain about anything Right. And if you've listened to me, one of the things that I battle the most, especially in conversations with Josh, I'll point this out over and over again. And I've had to become more aware of it because I didn't even know it was a thing that I really, really care about. But I talk about the truth and making sure that I'm as close to the line of truth as I possibly can be based on my current understanding of the discussion that I'm having or the topic at hand. The problem with that is we only know and we are only capable of knowing so much, which means there's so much left to what we don't know and maybe never will. And so you have to make sure that those statements aren't so black and white because anybody, if you're going to trust anybody, there should always be a caveat. There should always be, it depends. If you're this type of person, then potentially this approach would be best for you. But even saying that there's room to be like, but it might not be. Right. And I think anybody who's gone through some serious education, who's especially if you're in the realm of health and fitness and you want somebody who's got an evidence based approach and true clinical applications or research applications, it's important that you know that they have some background in that, which is why when people shit on education, I am I'm not I'm not somebody who will pound that drum. There is something to be said about somebody who's educated because it's not just that they've studied right? any good program. My master's program, for example, every test that I had, especially with Dr. Buckner, they were always so hard because it made you think outside of the yes and no, right? Multiple choice stuff and go, here's a situation. Here's what we're looking at. And so, like something as extreme as one of the, I'll never forget it. One of the questions on one of my exams was about somebody who was upside down on the ceiling pedaling a bicycle. And you had to talk about all of the things physiologically that were going on and how it was interacting. You had to be able to apply the principles that you learned to an actual lifetime situation, right? And so anybody who's gone through a program, especially at a graduate level, has had to have practical application, especially if they were in research. Um, you are hands-on in studying, creating design and looking at methods and looking at limitations and you understand that stuff. And then you can apply that knowledge that you see in the research, that you take from the research, abstract the principles and the variables that manifested that outcome. And then you can think differently about how you can entangle those things and create a new, a new theory um, or a new hypothesis on what might actually drive something. And so more importantly than just the practical application and understanding it is you also have the ability to understand how different variables work together to create an outcome. And then it can teach you how to think, right? One of the things that are limited by people that don't go through that type of training as far as an education, especially at a high level, like I said, there, if you take an online nutrition course, like there's not that much, much live time case scenarios to be able to work from, right? You're, you're just banking on what the multiple choice is. And most exams, as far as any type of credential or multiple choice, which means you just have to memorize what the definition of things are. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you could probably memorize a lot of things if you had flashcards, but that doesn't mean you actually know what they look like and how they manifest and how different variables relate to one another in real time. So I think while people will say you don't need a degree, maybe you don't. But if I'm trusting people, I'm probably looking at people who either have degrees, have clinical applications, have research applications, or who've worked with a large number of people and been able to produce a result. 
Um, Because I'm not saying you have to, but I definitely don't like the idea or the concept that education is being demonized and that you should just like try what you know and like let the person, the subject on the other side suffer. It's like they're not your guinea pigs. They're not a rat in a lab. Like these are people. So that's one of my big things around that. So do they have what you want? Have they taught other people how to get it? Do they speak with nuances? Again, that will tell you a lot about somebody's level of understanding because anybody who's been through any type of education understands that everything is so context dependent. It's not black or white. And are they gung-ho about one system or do they have the tools and the understanding to be able to pivot with different types of people and their own personal needs? Right. And so making a decision to work with somebody is really important. And some of the things that I've learned have been around that stuff. Right. And one of the things that I'll say, too, is the person, the best person may not actually have achieved the result that you want themselves. And the biggest thing that told me about this was Gary Fifield. I, he was one of my coaches when I went to Southern Maine at first before I went to play Division One basketball. And he had one of the highest winning records for women's basketball um, in the country. And he was never a good basketball player. He was not, but he was a genius. I mean, he was so smart. I mean, some of the offenses that he he had cultivated, some of the biggest people, um, biggest games, biggest teams in the in the industry in the NCAA were running the same things after he had run them. Right. So the guy knew the game and he knew how to teach it. He knew the roles, he knew the positions, he knew what each position needed to focus on, what were their strengths, what were their weaknesses. Right. So also understand that not everybody who's a, who hasn't achieved the result doesn't mean that they're incapable of teaching you how to do it. Is it easier to believe in somebody who has? Yes. But is that always the case? No, it's not that black and white. Okay. The other thing that I'll say too, and I'll say this is probably the most important thing. Does that person understand you? I think that that is critical. I've worked with so many coaches in my lifetime, from sports to athletics to performance to mindset and mentorship to business to all of that stuff, personal development. I've worked with so many different people. And I know that people always look at maybe the people that have the highest accolades and all of those things. But you have to remember, if you don't want to feel like a number, maybe that's not the best choice for you. Because I've done the, I'm the best coach in this right path. And they work with so many people. It's like, do you remember my name? Do you remember what we talked about last week? And I think that one of the biggest things that I see and one of the reasons that I've built my business the way that I have is because I never want my clients to feel that way. And so capping rosters, setting KPIs, making sure we have touch points, making sure I take calls with my clients, like the connection that you build with people is more important to me and the type of person that I am, right? Some people don't want that. That's also okay. But what I find is that if you're going to work with somebody, you want somebody who makes you feel seen, heard, and understood, not who's telling you how to think and telling you what to do, right? They should be able to lead you in the right direction because a good coach is not there to tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. But that doesn't mean invalidating you and your experience, right? Because they have no idea what it's like to walk in your shoes. So they have to have a high level of empathy, which is very difficult in a vanity-driven atmosphere as far as health and fitness. So I think that those are probably the most important things that I've learned around how to make decisions because I've definitely made the wrong decision only looking at the product they produce, only looking at the outcome because the experience was shit. And so I would rather pay more for a better experience 
and a great outcome that was really built for me versus a cookie cutter thing that everybody gets. And I've seen this not just in health and fitness. I mean, mentorships are very much the same um, where you just get the same course, you get the same PDFs, you get the same, you all do the same thing, even though your businesses are wildly different. Um, and then some people do really well on that and you can still do well with shit as far as specificity or the uniqueness to you, right? You can all get the same program and you'll probably all do well. You'll all probably advance, but is that built to bring the volume and the specificity principles that you want to achieve on the other side? Probably not. So again, it's not black and white, but I think if that's what you want, then you have to be willing to invest in something like that. Because again, you have to remember you get what you pay for. And I've learned that the hard way too. Um, so I think those are things to think about when it comes to working with the right person and knowing what to look for when you're looking to work with anybody. And again, these are all things that I've learned from my own experiences. Now let's talk a little bit about making really hard decisions. So a lot of people will ask me, you know, how do I, how do I have the courage to make some of the decisions that I've made in my life, whether it's moving from home to pursue a dream of playing division one basketball, which was one of the biggest risks I've ever taken. The second biggest risk would be launching my business when I could have gone back to medical school and been a doctor and sat pretty with a solid income. Um, and I think the most important thing to understand is that people are afraid to bet on themselves because there's a large degree of uncertainty and like, fair enough, but nothing about life has ever been certain. You don't know what's going to happen today. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so while we crave certainty, we also crave progress. And you can't have them both at the same time, right? One thing that you've heard me say before, which actually was told to me by a client, I think her mom said this, but I loved it when she said it to me, is that growth and comfort do not coexist. And that is so true. And so if you are somebody who wants to grow, then you have to know that that entire journey is going to be wildly uncomfortable. And so you have to reframe what comfort feels like. And so this is where it's really important to know, like, what are your biggest, most important values of yourself? Because before we can paint a vision, before we can have a direction, before we can orient ourselves towards some outcome or experience, you have to know what you find meaningful. You guys hear me say this all the time, right? But pain and suffering are inevitable, right? You can delay the pain and suffering. And we can talk about that in a health and fitness context, right? You can be proactive by investing in it early or you can pay the medical bills later down the road. And a lot of people will say, well, investing in a coach is expensive. It's like relative to what? Your medical bills, 30, 40, $50,000 later in life. Do you think a coach is more expensive than that? I don't know who you're paying if they are, but like, <laughs> let me know how they're doing, I guess. But you can prevent these things from happening to you, right? You can prevent aging, losing confidence, compromising your health, developing metabolic issues, losing your energy, not being functional to bend over and pick shit up, play with your grandkids, be around, be mobile. I mean, you can avoid all this stuff. Um, and you also like, you don't have to focus on the vanity of it to live a healthier life, right? You don't have to be the most shredded person to be healthier. You don't have to be on the cover of a magazine to be fit. You just need to focus on what means something to me, right? And so the two biggest things to me in my life that I know matter most to me are growth and contribution. 
right? If, if any path is oriented towards those things, I'm, I'm going to pursue it, right? Education. Again, I've talked about that a bit. My mom told me when I was a little girl and I didn't understand that, but my mom had gone to school for over a decade. My mom is probably the coolest person I've ever met. And I'm so grateful to call her my mother, but she went to school for over a decade. And a lot of you guys, maybe in your thirties, maybe in your forties, maybe in your fifties, and you're like, I don't know if this path that I've picked is the one that I actually want to pursue. And when I look at my mom now, she's now a doctor and the medical director of a hospital. Like my mom is a boss. Okay. But she went to school for a decade. She worked three jobs and raised three kids by herself. And so one of the things is, are you telling yourself that it's impossible? And the cool thing for me is I have evidence that regardless of how overwhelming and stressful your current situation is, it won't be like that forever. But you also have to have the ability to endure it, right? And endurance is a huge principle in my life. But when it comes to pursuing a path, you have to make sure that you know what you find meaning in in life and what you want to build your life around, right? So for me, growth and contribution. So if I continue to challenge myself to grow, under the premise that knowledge is power, because I do actually believe that, right? They can take your car, they can take your house, your your spouse can divorce you, people can leave you, you can get fired. But nobody can take your knowledge or your skill set away from you. And so if you don't see that you're the most important thing that you could ever invest in, you're missing it. The Louis Vuitton bag, the car, the, the Prada, the Gucci, the whatever it is that people run around sharing to kind of toot their own horn, that's not stuff I find meaning in. I, I, I don't. I'm a very simple person. I know what makes, what brings me joy and what brings me happiness and it's helping people. And if I can do more of that by making sure that I continue to grow and learn more and develop more as an individual, it's only going to allow me to be able to speak to more people who need that help. And it gives me more to speak upon because I'm getting better as I evolve. I'm not becoming complacent, right? That's one thing that feels uncomfortable to me. Right. I can deal with stress and chaos and pressure. Like that's comfort to me. Now there's an extreme in which that's not been good for me. And I can talk about that. But overall, what I can say is my desire to learn and to know and to challenge and to think differently and to challenge myself and what I think and what I believe and when I'm wrong, right? That's only allowed me to become better. And that growth by pursuing my own personal growth and making sure that I'm holding myself to the highest standard only allows me to contribute in a better way. And so those two goals I've been able to work in tandem to integrate into things that I care about and to be able to contribute in ways that are meaningful to me. And so I think when it comes to making the right choice, the first thing you have to know is yourself. And in a world where there's so much dopamine and so many notifications and social media platforms and drama, there's always drama on every platform. You're so saturated with other people's thoughts. You've forgotten what you think. You've forgotten to think as an independent individual. You're always told to pick a side. It's like, well, what if you don't have to? What if you can pick your own side? What if you can start thinking independently about you and what you want and what you find meaning in and the path that you want to walk and the one that you find meaningful and the life that you could build that would be satisfying to you? Right? That's one question that I asked myself a few years ago as I sat down because I journal a lot and I asked myself, what would, my what would my life have to look like in order for it to be satisfying to me? And I think you should do that exercise because it will give you clarity on outside of the cultural pressures and the noise 
what would your life for you have to look like in order for you personally to be satisfied with it? Because then you know where you need to start going or what you need to start prioritizing and you can trim the fat of all the other stuff that you might be pursuing or chasing that doesn't actually mean anything to you in the end. And so I think finding that clarity will be helpful. When we go to uncertainty, you have to remember that everything in life is uncertain, but that's what makes it fun. Like if you knew what was going to happen next every single day, would you be excited about the day? Like maybe on the days that are like Christmas where it's like, I'm going to get the reward now. <laughs> like maybe, but if you knew it was going to come, it's just kind of like, it takes the fun out of life, right? That's what makes it so interesting is the fact that you don't know, but you can find out. And so whenever you're caught between making a decision, here's the way that I like to think about it. What is your worst case scenario? And for many of you, it's going to be life continues as it is now. Well, fascinating because like, you know what you're going to get here. So this is literally the worst it could be for you. It's like continuing to be exactly where you are right now, which means what is the best case scenario? Your life could change forever in ways that you can't even fathom. And so that for me is how I make a lot of decisions. It's like worst case scenario, nothing changes. Best case scenario, everything changes. And you also have to weigh the cost of things. And so when I talk about cost, I don't mean financial cost. I know everybody's so focused on money. It's weird, but it's not weird, I guess. It's just life, I guess. But in the pursuit of money, it can cost you a lot more. So for example, I know many, 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 many people. I'm grateful to be at tables with these people who are wildly successful beyond my own wildest understanding of, of that, right? But when I look at what it's cost them, I don't know that I, I would find success in the number, right? Because I want to be able to build a life where I can grow and contribute in a way that is meaningful and make an impact. Like that is success. If I can continue to grow myself and develop myself and provide more value and contribute to making people better, then I've done what I needed to do. I would be satisfied with that. I'd be super fucking happy about it. I am happy about it. That's why every day of my life, I find joy. But you have to remember that there are many people that will take jobs because they get bonuses and they work more hours. They have less family time. They're more stressed. Their relationships are shit. Their friends, they don't hang out with anymore because they wanted to make more money. So you have to look at what is the net cost. And I would say overall, for most people, that would be a net negative. Whereas many people will take a pay cut, but they'll get time back. They'll get more time with their kids. They're able to go to their games. They can support them at events. They can start prioritizing themselves and their health. And so even though they took a pay cut, their quality of life is a net positive. And so whenever you're talking about pursuing a path, you have to find clarity on what would it cost you to do that? Not financially, though you can consider finances. And what is the net of that? Like if you were to pursue that and play it out, what would it net to potentially on both sides? And I think that will help you know, can I live with that? Right? And for most people, when you're looking at it and you truly weigh the cost of any decision that you make, if you can ask yourself, what is the net outcome and can you live with it? then you know what decision to make. I think that most people just don't just sit down and actually think these things through, or at least not with a tactical strategy to find clarity on them, because people will, will get so anxious about a decision is because they have a decision to make and they haven't made it. That's why you're anxious. 
So it's like, if you can boil it down into a process of thinking through how to make a better decision for yourself, then now when you're faced with a decision, you just run it through that funnel and you go, okay, that's it. Can I live with that? Yes, do it. Can I live with that? No, nope, not doing it. And so it just makes the process easier and you start to diminish that level of anxiety. And so once I could start thinking about how to think through my decisions, my anxiety was so much better. And a lot of that is what gave me the courage to pursue both my division one basketball pursuits and my business dreams, because I had to weigh the costs of each of those things and decide what I could live with personally. So I think as you can start to filter through good decision-making with first understanding yourself and what you want, not only will the pursuit be easier to tolerate because the pain and suffering is worth it and it makes you better, honestly. Whereas if you are working towards something because you only want the outcome, but you don't care about getting better in the process, you start to resent the process, right? And then going back to you teach yourself to want what you can get is what's funny about that is then you'll swing to the other side of the pendulum that demonizes people who were successful at the thing only because you couldn't do it because you didn't care to do it in the first place. You just hate that you had to work hard to get there. Everybody has to work hard to get somewhere. I don't know where this, this idea that like, you manifest stuff and the clouds part and the sun shines through and all of a sudden, bam, it's like everything you wanted is right there. It's like, no, <laughs> like that's not how it works. You have to put some work into it. You have to fail. You have to suck. You have to be really bad. You have to be able to take feedback. People will judge you. People judge me all the time. I don't know why. They don't even know me, but I don't get caught up in that because I also know, and this might be helpful to you, is that people that judge you, that don't know you, that want to leave a comment about something that is random, like the way that you look, like imagine if you did that back to them, first of all, they probably wouldn't like that you made a comment about them that they can't change. It's like, we shouldn't do that in general, but some people have the nerve to do that or they think it makes them superior in some way, but it also says more about them than it is about you. And so I don't internalize any of that stuff, especially when it's not actually good feedback around like, Hey, I don't think you were right about that. This is what I think. This is what I think you missed. Now I'm, I'm so willing to have that conversation. Like, let's get on, let's talk about this. Like, I want to know what I missed, why I missed it. And maybe that will shift my perspective, right? Cause I'm not stuck on being right. I don't associate, I don't, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is attacking the person instead of attacking the idea. People in general, I think through dialogue and conversation genuinely have good intentions they think it's going to fix a problem. They think it's the right thing. And so instead of attacking the person, like they're morally horrible, it's like, okay, well, I don't agree that that's the best path because that's what we're disagreeing on. So let's dive into the idea and I can poke holes in it and you can poke holes in mine. And then maybe we can come to a solution here, but it's not about the person. It's about the idea. And one of the biggest issues that I see is that people can't have, like, this is why debates suck now. It's like, everybody wants to wait for the gotcha moment. It's like, there's no gotcha other than you look like, looking like an asshole because you're not looking at the argument and poking holes in it. You're attacking the person. And I don't think that's helpful. I don't think it's useful. And so I think that's one of the most important things to be able to tolerate and assess when you're looking to either change your own perspective or engage in a conversation that can change the way that you think is being open to hearing what somebody else has to say and actually listening to what they're saying. Not waiting for like the abstract one-liner that you can just fucking fuck them over with. And so you tune out to the rest of the context of what they're saying and you just attack that one thing. 
It's like one thing I've really worked on, one thing I really enjoy is that I can play both sides of pretty much any argument. I can find a reason why somebody would think that way. And it allows me to then take both sides and look at it objectively, though I will always have my own biases. We all do. But I aim to be as objective as I can and then discern whether I personally agree with that or not. Even understanding both sides, I don't have to agree with it. I can say, you know what, even with all this information, I still think this is the best way. And that's okay, right? I have friends that I disagree with all the time and we walk away from a disagreement, hugging each other and loving each other. Like we don't have to think the same. We're not supposed to. But I digress. I think that one thing to think on is your ability to have arguments. But again, thinking about if you're afraid to do something and the lashback from it, nobody who's better than you is talking about you. That's the fundamental truth. And most people that are ahead of you that are genuinely focused on themselves and where they want to go. Because if you talk to people who have a clear vision, they know that what you want isn't always what they want. So they're not really competing with you, but they can help you progress and you can help them progress. Like, I think that's a better relationship to have overall. And so think about who you surround yourself with. That was one of the biggest things that I had to change in my life was stop feeling like I, I had to stay stuck to get the approval of other people when I thought differently. Like I didn't agree with the principles that they operated underneath. And knowing that you can also separate yourself from people without it having to be dramatic. Some people will hold grudges. Some people will always have something bad to say about you. Some people always want to remember you as a version of you that you once were, negating the fact that they've probably grown since then. And so it's probably likely that you've grown since then. Like some people will never get over that, but again, that's their own problem. And so I think it's really important to just be able to assess those things and know that it's okay to walk away from something and it doesn't have to be dramatic. You don't have to start gossiping. You don't have to shit on people. You don't have to point the finger because whenever you point the finger at somebody, and this is also something that I've learned is like, whenever you point the finger at somebody, what you're saying is that thing has power over me. I couldn't do it because of this. Oh, they have power over you. Whereas if you go, I can do this despite that, you still hold the power in what happens next. And it's never going to be easy. I think that if you expect hard when things come easy, it's like, oh my God, that's great. Because you didn't expect it. It's like a gift. But if you expect hard, then it's not surprising to you when it is hard because you expected it to be. I think if most people could realize life in general is just hard, especially when you have big goals and aspirations and you're going to walk a path that most people aren't going to walk, it's going to be hard. It's not normal. Like it's, it's okay not to be normal. I think one of the best things that I've heard in probably in the last six months or so, multiple times is that people appreciate that I live out loud. And I was like, I should rewrite LOL. <laughs> but I, I, I don't, I don't really, I never thought about that, I guess. And I think it's because I took the time over the last, I mean, again, this has been since 2016, 2017 that I started doing this stuff and working on myself and focusing on mindset and focusing on psychology and really to understand myself in the way that I am wired so I can rewire my mindset to cultivate the confidence that I needed in myself to become the person that I want to be. And I hope that it gives you the same courage through this little series to start living your life out loud. Because here's the other thing that you have to consider. If you live your life only to appease the opinions of the masses, you will inevitably reject parts of yourself to do so. 
All right, if you are liked by everybody, you're probably not being authentic to anybody. And I would rather have 10 relationships in my life that are like killer, where I can just be me fully accepted, not always understood maybe, but accepted and loved and supported without any pressure to be anybody else. And I think when you think about your relationships with you, rather have a thousand people that just think you're great, but you're wearing a mask the whole time. And so really all of the validation that you get isn't you. It's a version of you. It's an iteration. It's a curated version of you versus like if you just show up as you and you say what you think and you think what you say and you own that with the willingness to change your mind if necessary, it's like you will attract the right people to you and they'll be great. They'll be fucking amazing. The clients that I work with are fucking bomb. I love them. They're amazing people. They think deeply. They're action takers. They're committed. They don't make excuses. They're not people to postpone. They understand thinking and foresight and like consequences to not doing something. Right. And they are open and vulnerable and receptive and amazing. I mean, amazing people. But I wouldn't have been able to attract that if I wasn't being that. Right. You are what you attract. And I think that law sounds super woo-woo. And we can talk about super woo-woo stuff. If you guys want me to do that next episode, leave a comment or give me some feedback on Instagram and I will talk about all of my my mind changes, my mindset changes around woo-woo shit. I'm not super woo-woo on the spectrum. Again, I think manifestation without action is bullshit. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you the most amazing manifestation routine to change your life. But I will tell you that a lot of that stuff is oriented around understanding of self. And I think the one relationship most people need to focus more on is not being accepted by other people, but being accepted by yourself. And if you don't like who you are, having the courage to change it and do something about that because you can change, right? That's the cool thing about humans is we change all the time. I think that's amazing. I think everybody has the opportunity to change, but you have to have the courage to pursue that path, knowing that it is uncertain. So... The last thing that I will lead you with when it comes to these kind of changes of my life is one thing that I talk about a lot. I did a presentation presentation on this at the Sleep Summit. And it was all about endurance. I actually dropped that in a podcast a couple of episodes ago. But one thing that I used to really focus on was how fast can I get there? How fast can I go? How hard can I go? How much can I suffer? And the problem with that is, is you will burn out from the pursuit. And I see this in fitness a lot. We see this in in even competitors. A lot of women that I work with came out of the bodybuilding sphere. The pendulum swung the other way because what happens when you go to an extreme, right? Is that at some point you get burnt out and then somebody on this side of the aisles talking about this approach, this thing that will set you free. And you, instead of finding a middle ground and like stopping here and kind of just pulling back the extreme insanity, you swing to all the way of the other side and then you become dissatisfied over there. It's kind of like going from bodybuilding, heavy restrictive, massive exercise, restrictive calories the whole night, all the way into all in. Eat 3,000 calories a day, don't work out, don't walk, da 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 you know, that, that balance, it goes to the extreme. And the goal is to find somewhere in the middle that you can actually endure the path and you can pace yourself on it. And that for me has probably been the secret sauce to a lot of things that I do, like working weekends. I genuinely enjoy it. But again, it comes down to building my life around things that I enjoyed the doing part of, right? Not the outcome part of, but the doing part of, because I can endure the doing if I enjoy the doing part. And so what's when you learn something has pushed you too far, 
instead of looking at the thing that sounds great and speaks to your desires to like, Hey, I can't, I want to let go. I don't want to track food. I don't really want to work out all the time. I don't want to do that much cardio. Like what if I just let go of all this and like nine it? It's like you expect the outcome to be of somebody who's promoting that, who probably looks fantastic, but your experience might be wildly different. And so I think it's just going, okay, well, where can I start to pull back, assessing yourself and go, how can I remove some of the amplification of my own psychopathic nature, (laughs) speaking of myself, to find a pace that I can endure? And that's what will make it enjoyable. Right. Instead of being like, oh my God, I have to do 90 minutes. I mean, I used to do three hours of cardio. I was eating like nothing. Right. And I would train for 90 minutes to two hours a day. Then I would pose like it was my whole life. It was a whole, a whole last job. All right. And so now when I came down there, instead of going all the way of like, fuck it, I'm going to eat what I want, eat like an asshole, do the whole thing, gain the weight, find food freedom, all this stuff. It's like you can find food freedom, you can find fitness that fits and not ruin that that relationship over here, which might be toxic just to get into another toxic relationship over here. And so whenever you're looking at a pursuit, you have to know that it's going to work on you as much as you work on it. And that relationship has to be one that makes both things better in tandem. And as you get better, it gets better. As you get better, it gets better. Right. And it's a a constant feedback loop if you're willing to receive the feedback from it. But I think those are some of the biggest lessons that I've learned and things that I think are important. And I know I said I would leave you with that, but I actually have one more written down. So I'm going to share it with you here. Whenever you're stuck and you get frustrated, most of us lean into this idea that we just should quit. It's too hard. Instead of doing that, because I am really stubborn, I am very, very stubborn. And so I won't quit. But one thing that I've had to learn is like pounding my head into a wall, trying to make something work is not a good approach. And so instead of that, I need to find the door and open it so I can walk through. And what that would look like on a mental level is instead of being frustrated and trying to keep pounding the thing is pausing for a moment, ask yourself what you're missing, right? Because oftentimes when we're not moving towards something, we're missing something or overlooking it. And this is why I always say the devil's in the details, because whenever I find myself frustrated by my inability to complete something to the degree in which I want to complete it, so at a certain level of my own expectations, oftentimes I'm just overlooking a minor detail. Right. And so like when it comes to writing or creating or even conversations and and other stuff that I'm actively doing, especially in school, and like it's the little nitty gritty details. It's the way that you ask a question. It's the way that you think about something and you look at it from a different angle and a perspective and go, oh, I missed that thing. And so instead of getting frustrated or throwing in the towel and quitting, pause for a second, ask yourself, what am I missing? And maybe you won't think of something immediately, but what you will find is that maybe there's a skill or a piece of knowledge that you don't have. And so then instead of quitting, you go, okay, I need to find the solution to this problem. And then you'll think of who knows that answer? Ah, you probably know somebody. And then you reach out and you have to learn to ask for help when you need it and say, hey, I'm stuck here. This is the problem that I need to solve. Can you help me solve this? And most people will be more than willing to help you because everybody has this internal need to want to serve other people, right? Contribution is is a lot of people enjoy making somebody feel better. A lot of people really enjoy helping other people. So don't be afraid to ask for help. But instead of quitting, ask yourself, what am I missing or what do I need to learn? And your first thought will point you in the right direction. So that is my short podcast today on the Kate's Stories series. I don't know what I'm going to call this. So if you guys have ideas, let me know. But I'll be back with a few more. And if you like this, let me know if you have other questions or you're stuck with something personal. I'm sure I've been through it. 
leave a comment or DM me on Instagram. Let me know. I hope this was helpful. Thank you to everybody for watching. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Share this. Leave a review on podcasts. It helps a ton. And I'll see you guys next week.